Last week we talked about Philip and the Ethiopian, but this week we're kind of going back to a different story. Do you remember that guy Saul we talked about who was persecuting Christians and throwing them into jail? But that's not the end of Saul's story. God had a different plan for his life. And today we are reading through the story of his conversion. Acts 9 verses 1 through 31 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Taurus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. 
He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Paul was one of the fiercest persecutors of the church, but after his conversion, he became a spiritual leader, and he even wrote many of the letters that we find to the churches in the New Testament. God chose Paul to be an instrument to proclaim the name of Jesus to Jews and Gentiles, but because of his past, people were suspicious and did not trust him. He was an outcast at first because Jews did not like him for sharing the gospel, and Christians thought he might be tricking them. But in the coming weeks, we're going to learn how God used Paul to strengthen and grow the church. And up next, the Benasso family will be reminding us of last week's catechism. What does the law of God require of us? The law of God requires that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, good morning, Randolph Street kids, and happy Lord's Day. As you wake up this morning, remember, today is a day the Lord has given you to worship Him. I hope you are enjoying the New City Catechism and that you are taking time to walk through these questions with your parents Memorizing these truths will be helpful to you and your faith for the rest of your lives. That is how important this is for each of us. Last week's Q&A was, what does the law of God require? And if you remember, there were two answers, two parts to that answer. First, we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other side, we love our neighbors ourselves. Hopefully you had time to talk with your mom and dad and think that through with them. Thank you to the Benasso crew for helping us with question number seven. I love our Randolph Street families, as I know these truths are more than just words, but they shape your lives. And again, thank you to the Benassos. For this week's catechism, we're going to skip over uh, to question number 13. So parents, hopefully you can take time in questions eight through 12 uh, with your kids over the next few weeks. So our question today, question 13, is can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? And the answer, since the fall, no human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly. Randolph Street kids, this is very important uh, for us as it's a uh, central teaching of the Bible. We are all guilty before God. We all break God's holy law. No one can stand before God perfect in his or her, or her own efforts Again, this is important for you to understand because this is why the gospel is so crucial to our faith. Talk with your mom and dad. Let them better help you understand these truths. We love you. We are praying for you and your families. And again, I hope you have a great Lord's Day. Well, good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. Abraham and I are so glad that you've joined us again today in 2021 for another Catechism Song. Now, today we're going to be doing question number 13, which is, 
Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Well, the short answer to that question is no. But you'll see from the song that we've had this problem for quite a long time. As usual, Abraham and I, who's very vivid this morning, will sing it through once. And then you guys join us from home on the next time through. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Since the fall, no human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly. Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Can anyone keep the law of God perfectly? Since the fall, no human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly. The law of God perfectly. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.